All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. This is my first uh, Hongdae service. I've been to Hillside, but I haven't been to Hongdae. So it's good to be here. If you don't know who I am, uh, my name is John Michael Becker, and uh, my wife Sky and I are the campus pastors of our Shilim campus that meets here uh, at four o'clock. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, the sermon I'm going to preach today is going to be about the soul. And uh, it's going to be about a war that I think a lot of us have been oblivious to growing up, that Satan is warring against us, specifically against our souls. And so today I'm going to kind of unpack Satan's agenda against your lives. This might be a little bit new for you guys. Uh, I've I've been the healing deliverance uh, pastor at this church, and so sometimes these things need to be unpacked. And uh, as I share his schemes, I'm going to share with you guys three ways to keep your soul protected to keep yourself pure, your mind and your heart pure before the Lord. So the title of today's sermon, I encourage you guys to take notes, it's Stop Listening to Your Heart. Stop Listening to Your Heart. Now, I've preached this message once before at Itaewon, about a year and a half ago. So if this is your second time listening to it, that means God really wants you to get this, okay? So stop listening to your heart. Let me start this message by defining what the soul is. I got some slides for you guys. Make it easy. The soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Our mind, will, and emotions. In Greek, the word is is suki. In Latin, it's psyche. It's where we get the word psychology from. Our soul. Now, I think most of you guys know that God is three in one. He is Father, He is Son, and He is Holy Spirit. And just as God is made up in three parts, we as human beings, made in his image, are also made up in three parts. We have our physical body, we have our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and we have our spirit that connects us with God. It's because of the effects of sin from Adam and Eve that our spirit man died. Okay, God wasn't joking when he said, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. And he wasn't just speaking about an eventual physical death, he was talking about a cut between their spirit man and God's Holy Spirit. That part of their spirit man died. And so what was left was their soul and their body. And so before salvation, all of us were living according to the needs of our body, eating, sleeping, exercise, and the needs of our soul, our emotional needs, what we're feeling like, what what pleasures us. What, what we need for our soul. And so if you think of a baby, they kind of epitome someone that's really living solely for the needs of the body and the needs of a soul. If a baby is hungry, it cries. If the baby is sleepy, it cries. If the baby is gassy, it cries. Okay? The baby doesn't care that the mother hasn't slept. The baby doesn't care about all the other people in the room or on the airplane that are being distracted. The baby knows what it wants, and it's going to demand what it wants until it gets it. The baby is completely self-centered, focused on the needs of its body and of its soul. And so as children develop, we have to discipline them and teach them in the way that is right. And so if a kid that isn't trained in this, what they're going to do is they're just going to eat pizza all the time and stay up as late as possible and do whatever they want. Because that's the desires of their soul and of their body. And we know that's inherently wrong. We know that that's, that's wicked. And the first thing that we teach kids in kindergarten is 
Sharing is caring. That goes completely against who we are. Who we are is, I need this. This is needs for my body, needs for my soul. And this is the way babies are, toddlers. And so we have to keep disciplining them. No, no, no. It's good to share with your friends. This blesses them. And it makes no sense. Because that's not really rewarding me. I feel a lot better when I'm in control of my toys. And when I can do whatever I want. When I can stay up late and I can eat all this pizza. But we know better as authorities, as guardians, as fathers and mothers. We need to train the children in the way that is right. You see, the selfish nature, go and put that up, the selfish nature has to be taught and disciplined out of a child, otherwise the child will grow up to be evil. The child will grow up to be evil. And I'm not joking about this. You study massacres throughout mankind, the history of mankind, uh, genocide, things like this. The people that did the genocide were so wrapped up in the needs of their soul and of their body that they had no, no perception No compassion, no empathy, no sympathy for the people that they were killing. And so someone that gets so self-centered, gets so wrapped up in feeding their own soul, their own mind, will, and emotions, and the needs of their body, these are people who become child abusers. These are people who do rape. These are people who steal, who, who murder, who do wicked things. It's evil. And cartoons do a great job of demonstrating this battle that's going on within us between Satan and God. If you guys have ever watched Tom and Jerry or Bugs Bunny, you would know what I'm talking about. There's that moment when the cartoon character is like, should I do it or should I not? And boom, there's the little devil mouse saying, yeah, yeah, go do it, go do it, go do it, go do it. It'll feel good. It'll feel good. And then there's the weak, pathetic angel mouse. No, that'd be bad. I think most of you guys have seen these cartoons. All right. And so what happens when the mouse does that to the little angel and listens to that little demon mouse, it starts to become red and evil itself. It starts to become wicked in that cartoon. That's actually a very good picture of what happens in the spiritual realm for us when we listen to our soul, when we listen and just keep satisfying the cravings of our soul. James 3, 14 through 16. You guys can read along up here. It says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition... In your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. You see, our sinful choices start with something that's earthly. I think a better word for it would be worldly. It's one of those gray areas. Yeah, I know the pastor says that maybe I shouldn't really dabble in this, but I kind of just feel like it, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to do kind of that worldly desire. I'm going to satisfy that. And what happens is you continue to satisfy these worldly desires. You are connecting less and less with the Holy Spirit and more and more with the desires of your heart, desires of your soul. That's unspiritual. And the more you give in yourself to these desires, the more they control you. And you become demonized. Okay? These demonic strongholds start to take oppression, take control over your life. The more you feed into it, the less control you have over it. This is what Satan wants. Satan wants to control us. He wants us to be dominated by our soul. Now, I'm going to introduce you guys to um, 
this, this guy who's the father of modern-day Satanism. And uh, first, I want to point out 2 Corinthians 2.11. This might sound a little weird. But uh, it says, So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Designs here means schemes or thoughts. This is what I want to talk to you guys about today. There is a war going on for your soul, and we cannot be ignorant of it. So, Aleister Crowley. Uh, any of you guys heard of him? Aleister Crowley? A couple people? All right, he lived from 1875 to 1947 and was known in his days as the wickedest man in the world. Fantastic. He was heavy in the worship of Satan and other demons and taught all sorts of wicked things uh, that I'm not going to get into. But the sum of his teaching is right up there. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. It's a very demonized man, and he openly confessed that. So the basic teaching of Satan is actually very simple. It's do what you want. Might surprise you. I think the teaching of Satan is bow down to Satan, worship him, do wicked, evil things. No, it's very simple. It's do what you want. Do what you want. So when Satan tempted Eve in the garden, did he show up like one big scary dragon and try and boof, you know, scare her? Like we often think of Satan in these horror movies? No. Did he just cry and come and force and force her to eat the fruit or 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 you know take possession over her? No. He came to her as a simple serpent and tried to speak in a way that was enticing to her. Tried to plant desires in her that she didn't know she had. That fruit looks very, very tasteful. It looks really, really good. It's going to give you wisdom. Don't listen to what God said. Just take a bite. Then you'll be like God. You'll be able to think like him. So Eve listened and she took that fruit. And then that spirit man got cut because of sin. What is unholy cannot be connected with what is holy. Satan did the same with Jesus. When Jesus is in the wilderness and he's walking around in the desert, 40 days and 40 nights, he's fasted, he's hungry. Satan shows up. Satan does not come with this huge satanic army and try and wage war against him. He doesn't come as this huge dragon and and try and intimidate Jesus. He just shows up and says, I know you're hungry. Just turn these, these stones into bread. It doesn't sound like a satanic attack, right? That doesn't sound like, oh, demon, and, you know, oh, scary. He was just trying to get Jesus outside of the Father's provision. He was trying to get Jesus to do what he wanted. Jesus, just do what you want. Just use your powers for your own good. Just jump off this building and let the angels catch you. It'll feel great. Prove prove yourself to me. This is what Satan wants. He wants us to do what we want. And so... uh, Alastair Crowley, he wasn't some random Satanist that had some strange teachings. The Beatles, if you guys have studied the Beatles, they considered him a huge influence uh, for them. They even put him on one of their albums. Uh, musicians love Alastair Crowley, so much to the point that some modern-day musicians, Alastair Crowley died a long time ago, they have tattooed Do What Thou Wilt on their bodies. Now, these are musicians that some of you guys like a lot, and that I used to like. Did not know that they were so deep with this guy. Lester Crowley was voted by BBC as the 73rd greatest Briton of all time. That's how big this guy's influence was. The most wicked man, wicked man in the world. He's voted the 73rd greatest person of Great Britain of all time. So to sum up these teachings, it's do what you want. It doesn't sound that scary, right? But do what you want means you are your own redeemer, No one else can redeem your heart. 
You are the shepherd of your heart. Follow the desires of your heart. Do what you want. And uh, I'm going to show you guys a video. This is of modern day music. If you're my age, you'll recognize almost everything. If you're in Emmaus, you might not recognize much. But uh, that's okay. Uh, you'll, you'll probably recognize some, some of the singers. It's about a five-minute clip. And um, I want to encourage any of you who are spiritually sensitive, just close your eyes during it. Uh, this is stuff that you see on MTV, uh, if you watched MTV growing up. Uh, but some of it is clearly demonic. So it starts out very innocent. Oh, do what you want. Oh, listen to your heart. But then you see as it's twisted and twisted and twisted. It really is the doctrine of Satan. Okay? So, again, if you're spiritually sensitive, just close your eyes. Uh, otherwise, you guys can just go ahead and watch this. Go ahead and start the clip. This uh, cuts in to the interpretation of the verse, Say to your own heart, I am my own redeemer. In more common terms, the, quote, triumphant strains, end quote, of a song that LaVey and his disciples viewed as one of the most satanic of the 20th century. I did it my way. For what is a man? What has he done? If not himself, then he has done. You say the word, he It's no mere coincidence that this song, in its successive incarnations, revealed artists who became living metaphors for the inevitable downward spiral of any culture that embraces I did it my way theology. I did it my way, indeed. Of course, not every follower of the satanic law ends up dying, as did Elvis and Sid, of a drug overdose. Hell does have its trophies on this side of the grave. But the ultimate expression of sin's wages for everyone who, quote, does it their way, and that includes some of the most talented and beautiful among us, is a grace-forsaken darkness that waits just on the other side of death. And while Elvis and Sid may represent the figurative Alpha and Omega of the rock milieu, this my way ethic has expressed itself in so many ways by so many different performers. And I want to do it my, you know, my way, to sound like Frank Sinatra. And in so many songs, interviews, and concert performances, one could easily argue that Do What Thou Wilt defines the very soul of rock and roll.
Click this switch in his head and say, I can do what I want to do. I'm here on this earth. There are laws, but I'm going to handle it my way. Game's identity. The bitch with a flashlight. Do anything you want to do. Do what you want. Do it, boy. Do what you want to do. Do what thou wilt often resonates in the words of the popular mantra, do your own thing. And the thing is, whatever is good for you is the best for you, you know. It's a simple thing, but people don't understand that. Doing your own thing means doing your own thing, not right. doing exactly what everybody else is doing, but doing what suits you. It can provide the foundation for the ever-popular believe or trust in yourself. When I say be a soldier, I mean being true to the game, being true to yourself and believing yourself. And the satanic law can find its most perfect and enticing expression in what has become one of our culture's most popular credos. Follow or trust your heart. Trust your heart. Let faith decide to guide these lives we see. picture here very original lyrics right i think you guys probably recognize a lot of those songs mark 7 21 through 23 for from within out of the heart of man 
come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. This is Jesus speaking. Let me read it again. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Listen to your heart. Can you understand why this is Satan's agenda? Can you see how Satan is taking control of society through this? Can you see music? How Satan has used music as well. You guys got to be discerning. You have to be discerning. I listened to all this music when I was growing up as well. Struggled with depression, struggled with different things. I, I I had no idea about the music until I started getting to worship music. Then I realized this complete difference in my being when I would listen to some of that stuff and when I would listen to like Hillsong United or something where God was actually being worshipped. And I could tell, man, there's a totally different place where my heart is, my emotions, my soul, how my soul is, mind, will, and emotions. Just listen to some angry rap music and tell me whether you feel happy, okay, and want to go outside and dance. You can tell the spirit over this music. And what it elicits out of your soul. Do what you want. Listen to your heart. The word heart in this chapter of Mark 7. You can leave it up there, John. The heart is interpreted as the center of your physical and spiritual life. Heart. In the Greek, it's cardia. Cardia. All right, Cardiac arrest. I think you guys are familiar with that. It's the center of physical and spiritual life. It's basically the place in your body... Where your soul, your mind, will, and emotions connects one with your body and connects two, if you're a believer, with God. So without God, without that connection, when Eve made that sin and that connection was cut, what is holy cannot be with the unholy, suddenly the heart was only connected with what? The body, the flesh from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, Murder. These are all desires of the flesh, of the body. They have no love. We love because God first loved us. Our ability to love comes from what we've learned from God and learned from people who are, who are being God's hands and feet in our lives, who have disciplined us and taught us, just like I shared about little children, how they must be disciplined and taught to love. Because unless they're disciplined and taught, they will be selfish, self-centered, angry. They will just be going after their own way. They will become demonic stop listening to your heart stop letting society just consume you with this message awaken yourself to the truth satan wants you to do your own thing satan detests authority satan hates authority think about the figures in society think about all lines of work engineers and lawyers and doctors and all lines of work. What are the lines of work that people detest the most, that do not trust, that get angry about, that will get riled up about? Politicians, pastors, police officers, and even parents. These are authority figures in society. And because of stupid mistakes of certain authority figures, there are desires within us to not trust any of them. One man gets shot. That's, that's a corrupt police officer. We can't trust any of the police. Okay, this politician, he lied to us. I can't trust any politicians. 
My mom made this mistake. I'll never trust her or my dad again. I'm on my own. I'm going to listen to my heart. I'm going to go my own way. I am the shepherd of my soul. That's exactly what Satan wants. Because when you go outside of that authority, just as he did with God our Father, you're under his domain. You're under his control. You are no longer covered. You're vulnerable. So what do we do? How do we defend ourselves from Satan's attacks? How do we keep our mind, our soul secure? I'm going to give you guys three, three areas, three things you need to overcome sin and Satan's agenda and to live your life right. The first is the power of the gospel. Amen? Power of the gospel. 1 Peter 2, 24 to 25. You can read along. It says, He himself, Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. It's just the opposite of what happened to Eve. We're going to die to sin. We're going to live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Okay, it's sin in reverse. Eve eats of it. All right, she dies. Her spirit man dies. Now she's a slave to sin. She's living in sin. And she is no longer connected with God. She has become, and all mankind after her, have become unholy. But by Jesus Christ, by the power of the gospel, it's a complete opposite. By him now, we live to righteousness. Now, we're no longer alone in our own, but we have our own shepherd and overseer of our souls. We are now reconnected. Our spirit man has been resurrected within us, and we are connected with Jesus. And he guides us. He protects us. He's with us. This is the gospel. Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's by salvation that our spirit is awakened to him. And this is more than just a personal relationship where, oh, Jesus, I enjoy being with you. Oh, it's, it's nice to worship you here and there. But right here we see shepherd and overseer of what? Our souls, our heart. He is the rightful leader. He is the rightful God. And so when we accept Christ, when we become Christians, we're no longer tossed around by this world. But instead, we are secure because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. We have God guiding our hearts and our souls. A lot of people in the church, um, they still try and keep control. But this is like a little kid who's growing up with his father and tells his father, no, I'm going to do this. No, no, you do this. No, I'm in control. That makes no sense, right? You can't see a little son commanding his father what to do or just saying, no, I got this. I got this. We're sons and daughters of the living God. We got to recognize our authority, the father in heaven. And we need to submit ourselves to him. Becoming a Christian is not just knowing God. It's submitting to him. It's declaring he is the name above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the name above every name. We are yours, just as we were singing earlier today. And you got to get that. You can't just sing it blindly or just, just, oh, I'm yours, I'm yours. What does that mean? It means he's a shepherd. He's your father. He's your provider. He's your protector. He's with you. He will take care of you. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for he is with you. His rod and his staff, they protect you. They comfort you. So he's not just given us his Holy Spirit, though. Number two is, what we need is the word of God. 
written within us. Word of God written within us. James 1.21 says this, Therefore put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save what? Your souls. Which is able to save your souls. Receive the implanted word. That word for word in the Greek is logos. It's talking about the word of God, the sayings of God. Receive it and your soul will be saved. You don't receive the word of God. You don't receive this truth and you're following your heart. That's the things we need to put away. Filthiness, rampant wickedness. Put it away. Receive the word. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. John 8.32, I think you guys know this one. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen? Hebrews 4.12, it says, for the word, logos, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of what the heart, the heart. Stop listening to your heart. Start listening to this. Start writing this on your heart so that you might not sin against God. So you can live a true life of freedom, no longer controlled by the things that this world is throwing at you, but at peace with the father secure in his love. Psalm 119.9, I love this word for purity. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to what? God's word. God's word. You want to overcome your lust issue? You want to overcome your different addictions? You need to know the truth. You've got to write it in your heart. You've got to be claiming it daily. God will bless you tremendously. What you need to understand is that this, this book that I'm holding that is so precious to me is worthless apart from the Spirit of God. It's worthless, okay? It's just a textbook without the Spirit of God. That's why so many non-believers who are sincerely not seeking God but are just like, I'm going to study this and see what's going on, they open it and find it so boring, find it just so, ah, uh, this makes no sense, and they mock it. And so many Christians who are not walking according to the Spirit but are often walking according to their flesh. They're walking according to the ways of the world. They're still listening to their heart. They open this up and they fall asleep. They open it up and it makes no sense. Why? Because they are worldly, unspiritual, demonic. They've been walking according to the ways of this world and they are completely disconnected to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's there, but they're not tuned in. They're completely tuned in to what they want. I'm telling you guys, before you open this, you need to pray and say, Holy Spirit, Speak to me today. And if you have sin that is on your heart and you know God's convicting you of it, don't ignore it. Confess it before the Lord. Repent of it. Receive his grace. And I'm telling you guys, as you open this up, you're going to get revelation after revelation. And it might start small. You might read a full chapter. And this is my story. When I first became a committed believer to the Lord, I opened up Isaiah. I read a chapter and I got nothing out of it. And I read another chapter and I'm like, man, God's just angry at the Egyptians. That's all I'm getting out of this. But God told me, no, you need to pray and you need to talk to me. Stop studying this like a textbook. Read it like my word and ask the spirit to illuminate the truth to you. 
And as I did that, I would read Isaiah 2. He still seems angry at the Egyptians, but this one verse intrigues me. Or this one verse, I feel like it's speaking to me. And I would journal it, or I'd write it down, or I'd underline it. And then as I went along, what went from just getting one verse out of a whole chapter where maybe God would speak something to me, God was starting to speak to me out of the full chapter. And suddenly things were connecting where at first I didn't understand Isaiah at all. As I read the rest of the Old Testament, it made so much sense. And I'm telling you guys, even still today, after I've read this so many times, God is still speaking to me. He is still giving me fresh revelation, fresh bread every day. But it's by His Spirit. You've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. Now the third, and this is the one that Christians hate. So many Christians hate. Third thing we need. Leaders in the church, we are submitted to. Hallelujah. Leaders in the church, we are submitted to. You need the Holy Spirit, the power of the gospel, God living within you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You need the word of God. His word written upon your heart that you might not sin against God. And you need the church. Specifically, you need leaders in the church you are submitted to. Hebrews 13, 17. says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over what? Your souls. Keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy. For the love of goodness. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. What are these leaders here for? More than equipping you, more than making you feel good, more than whatever. They're here to keep watch over your soul. To protect you from the enemy. To keep you covered. So throughout the New Testament, if you read the New Testament, even the Apostle Paul, he was submitted to the church of Antioch. Okay, there was no renegade super believer where I, I'm on my own. I, I, I got this. There was always submission to authority. He was always setting up elders, always setting up deacons. All right, they were always setting up leadership in the church. So that's family. And a family is not just 10 kids running around trying to take care of themselves. You need a father and you need a mother. You need leadership to be a true family. So although we're filled with the Spirit... Although we have the word of God, we have to understand that our hearts are still connected to our flesh. They're still connected to our flesh. And there's some areas in our lives that are really hard to escape the flesh. Flesh just tends to consume. One example, love life. People do not want to be shepherded. Their love life. What happens when someone starts to like someone? We call it a crush. I got a crush on that person. They're on my mind. They're on my soul. Okay? I'm thinking about them all the time. I'm becoming infatuated by this person. I can't get you out of my mind. You are on my soul all the time. All I'm thinking about is this person. And so when someone comes in and is like, hey, that person's not, not good for you. That, that person actually has this past and has this stuff. No, 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 no. I'm going to listen to my heart. I just feel it. I know it. I feel it within me. This is so true, guys. So true. Especially in the Christian church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can shepherd me in some of these areas. But my love life, hands off. I'm going to listen to my heart. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to let my soul lead me. My mind, will, and emotions. Hmm. Other areas 
People tend to experience strong conflict in their souls. Mind, will, and emotions include job searching, where to live, how to handle their money. Don't don't touch my money. It's my money. I'm going to do what I want to do. Okay? Uh, How to handle family matters. Trying to overcome any addiction. It's often because of shame. I'm just going to do it on my own. I'm not going to share it. Okay? Simply trying to get through a hard time in life. Counseling? No, no, no. We're going to figure this out on our own. We're just going to listen to our hearts. We're going to do what we're feeling. We're just going to pray. I'm going to pray on my own, and God's going to guide me. Even though my heart is so connected to this stuff, and I'm obviously biased, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to listen to God, my, my flesh, and I'm going to go my own way. This isn't a matter of control. But ironically, for these people, when they, when they pray, like that person is like, oh, I'm going to pray on my own. They pray like, God, speak to me. Speak to me about this. And God responds audibly to them through their leaders. <laughs> what is Hebrews 13, 17? Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. God loves family. He loves family. And this is a whole other message I'm going to preach at another time. The power of family. But God chooses relationships and family to shepherd us. Jesus said, I am only doing what the Father tells me to do. And he was demonstrating submission. And he was demonstrating a right relationship with family. You see, when you're secure in family, there's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. When you are secure, you are so safe. You are so secure. And you're not scared that, oh, they're going to do something to me and take advantage of me. I've got to protect my heart. I, as most of you guys know, my, my full-time job is actually serving at an orphanage, directing an orphanage ministry. And we just got a new boy uh, at our home. He's one and a half years old. And a little, little kid. Um, and when he eats, this is the way he eats. He eats like this, one and a half years old. And he hunches over his food slants his eyes and is worried someone's going to take his food and eat. One and a half years old. It's not like someone was stealing food from the baby before he came. But what the orphanage staff know is that happened in the womb. He got that from the womb. Because his mom likely had those same issues of fear and distrust so strongly that that gets passed on to the baby in her womb. And so when that baby is born, there's that fear. Fear of relationship, fear of distrust. We had uh, another four kids come to our home years ago. And uh, it was a six-year-old, I think she was five or six, and then three younger siblings that were all in the baby room. And this little girl, five or six years old, um, feed her in the cafeteria. She would eat, but she wouldn't eat everything. She would actually save a lot of her food. And then she would get up after the meal to go to the baby room to feed her siblings. And we have to tell her, no, 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 we're going to take care of them. It's okay. Eat your food. Enjoy it. They're safe. And at first, she couldn't trust. There's that fear. But as she was in the home, as she lived in the home, she realized, no, I'm safe in this place. They're not going to take advantage of me. They're not going to let my siblings starve. They're feeding them. And then she began to develop well. When you accept Christ Jesus, you are no longer orphans. You no longer have to fear acting like an orphan. You no longer have to go into the church and receive it, but kind of like this. 
Like, I think, I think he's going to give me something that's bad, or I think they're going to try and speak into my life and, and use me or abuse me or, or whatever. You no longer have to be that way. When you're in the body of Christ, you're safe. God is the chief shepherd and overseer, not just of your soul, but of the souls of every believer. And this is why we have membership class, church. Because you should, when you go into a church, all right, what are their beliefs? You don't want to just go into any church. Oh, this church, they call themselves Mormons. You know, okay, just, just worship. You need to know the core beliefs of the church. That's why you attend their membership class. And then you start to get involved in the Bible study. And as you see, man, this church is real. They're living it out. You can be free. And the more you open up, you hear other people's testimonies, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. As you experience that freedom, you're free to open up. You don't have to fear sharing about your past addictions. You don't have to fear that, oh, if I open up about this job change or open up about possibly moving somewhere, that they're going to control me. We have to give an account. Okay? And we don't want to give an account where, oh, yeah, I just used and abused the sheep that you gave us, God. Of course not. We're going to do this out of love. And what's such safe in the church is even in the orphanage, these, these social workers, they're not perfect. They make mistakes. But you think an orphan's going to be in the orphanage and, and the dorm dad gets maybe a little overbearing or, or you know, something happens and I'm, I'm out of here. That's the orphan spirit. You think they're really better off outside that orphanage? No. They're a mess on the street. But if they just take one mistake and say, no, you must be perfect, they're never going to experience true family. Okay, we're imperfect people. So there's going to be mistakes, and that's why we're filled with grace. That's why we pray for each other. That's why we love each other. That's why we're there for each other. And so I want to challenge you, church. You can't see the back or the top of your head. You can't fully cover yourself. You need to be in the family of God. You need to join. And if, if you're watching this on YouTube, wherever you are, this is a core part of our church. We believe that none of us are orphans, none of us are rogues, none of us are meant to just go our own way and just listen to our heart and just just do what we want to do. We believe that we're meant to be in family. Believe that we're meant to be covered. That's a word that you'll probably hear a lot if you attend New New Philadelphia Church. Covering. Another phrase we like to use is, don't go out naked. What does that mean? Let's open up our Bible. Exodus 32.25. You don't actually have to open up. We're going to put it up here. I put up these slides because it's a little longer word. I wanted you guys to just keep, keep following it. Exodus 32.25. This is Moses coming down with the Ten, Ten Commandments. I think you guys know this story. He's been up there for a long time. And so the people, they get kind of disobedient. They're like, we're going to make our own God. They make the golden calf. And they begin to worship that golden calf. Start to do all sorts of crazy things. The, devil, uh, the Bible, it hints at uh, sexual immorality. Just a lot of wickedness. If you read this, it says, When Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies. I like the King James Version. Let me read that for you. King James says, And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Aaron had made them naked Unto their shame among their enemies. This word for broken loose, this word for naked in the Hebrew is para. Para. It's a word that's difficult to interpret, but basically what it means is to be let loose, to become undisciplined, and to become completely consumed by one's own desires. Be consumed by one's own desires. Stop listening 
to your heart. What happened when Aaron just gave up his authority and said, just do what you want? The people became naked to their own shame. They began doing their own thing, worshiping this idol, doing all sorts of sex acts, doing such wickedness, such wickedness that it took 3,000 men to die before it finally stopped. Imagine how wicked it, it had to have been. A thousand people just died, but they're, they're going to continue doing it. Another thousand people die. They're continuing to do it. Finally, when 3,000 people die, they realize, oh, this isn't a good idea. And they stop. Do not go out naked. Do not do things on your own. Do not be let loose. Do not say, I'm just going to listen to my heart. I'm just going to do what my soul tells me to do. Because your heart is filled with wickedness apart from our God. And if you are not connected with him through the Holy Spirit, if you are not growing in the word, and if you are not in the family of God, you are vulnerable. Satan can take you out. But if you are connected with our chief shepherd, Jesus, praying to him, if you are in the word and you know your identity in Christ, and you are getting deep in this truth, and if you're in the family of God, you're covered. You don't have to fear. You can be like the kids who've lived in my orphanage long enough to where they're safe, they're secure, and they can laugh and they can be themselves. They can truly be free because they know they're in family. So I want to encourage you, church, get in family. Seek family out. Wherever you are, if you're just here vacationing, when you go home, say, God, you set the lonely in families. God, I want to be in a family. I don't want to just receive. I want to love as well. Freely I receive, freely I will give. I'm going to have the praise team come up. I'm going to close this in prayer. God, I just thank you, Lord, that you keep watch over our souls. And I thank you, God, that you have set people in the church to be your hands and your feet, God. You have set leaders in the body of Christ to be your hands and your feet and to keep watch, Lord, over the souls of men. And God, I thank you that though we're imperfect and though we make mistakes, God, there is no fear in love. And that, Lord, in the end, Lord, you work all things for the good of those who love you, God. And so even when our own parents, even when our our own leaders, Lord God, may make mistakes, Lord God, because they're not perfect. God, we are secure because in the end, you are the one who covers us. And in the end, you will turn it all for our good, for the good of those around us. So, Father, I just release grace in this campus. The campus is watching, God. All the people, Lord God, who are tuning in, Lord, just grace to be in a family, to no longer be an orphan to no longer be controlled by Satan's agenda, God, listening to their heart and just doing their own way. But Lord, that they will submit themselves to you, that they will know true freedom, true freedom, not on their own, but true freedom in the family, to be themselves, to be safe, to be secure. For you know the plans you have for them, plans to prosper them and not to harm them, plans for a hope and for a future. God, your will is good. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let that be the anthem of our hearts. May we say it collectively. We worship you, Lord. We commit our hearts to you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's rise up. Let's worship him. He is worthy.